Welcome to Leper Tea, your weekly destination to hear about what happened in the hospitality industry around the world last week. I am Miriam and this is Mish. Hello. What we do is basically dig through hundreds of newspapers so you don't have to. <laughs> yes. And we'll also keep you updated on global events, what's up in academia and what softwares are currently changing the industry. We try to stick to facts most of the time. However, we have to warn you, we do add a personal spin to the whole thing and obviously our worldview as well. Exactly. All right, let's jump right in. All right, Miriam, how was your week so far? Good week. Today we're having our podcast from Switzerland. I mean, I am in Switzerland, but so it's really nice. Had an amazing day back with the family. Okay, so we can, we can uh, add a title name to this podcast, Made in Switzerland. <laughs> exactly. Just like the Friday. I'm sure that'd bags. be enough. <laughs> All right. How are you? So, what have you? F- I'm good. I'm good. Because uh, productive as always. <laughs> Looking for exciting news, and uh, I think we found quite a few this week. Uh, even though it was, it... Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of repetition this week from the past few months. I mean, yeah. I just see the first one, which is again about lobbying in Germany. What have you found this time? Oh, it was um, so pretty simple piece of news. I think we can start with um, basically this week uh, the chancellor or the chancellor of Germany was attending a an event organized by the hoteliers and for by the restaurateurs of uh, Hessen or that's basically the area where Frankfurt is. And uh, to me, it was kind of a very typical case of how lobbying is done. First of all, they set it in in a garden in one of the major hotels in Hessen. So that's already kind of like a scene from Game of Thrones, for those who don't know, where I haven't seen the show. Most of the plotting <laughs> and the political uh, speeches and sort of uh, talks behind the, the scenes happen in some sort of garden somewhere. So that's first <laughs> step one. Step two was wow. uh, there was a, an initial speech about, you know, how important entrepreneurship is and, you know, how important it is to support the locals. And of course, the main goal of the whole thing was, well, you know, not on paper, but at least that's what was the main question that was kind of pushed for, is the VAT of 7%, can it be kept or should be uh, or should it be removed? And obviously the, the entrepreneurs of F&B and hotelier sect, sector were kind of asking for, for that to be kept. For those who don't know, in Germany, the, there is a VAT of 19% on regular products, then there is a VAT of 9% on service products, but during Corona, that was decreased down to 7 And obviously now, the wonderful... Yes, Miriam? Yeah, no, exactly. I just wanted to add that the government wants to raise it again, I think, which will have a very big impact on the food and beverage and hotel industry, right? I mean, prices have increased in general. So often now we just go to restaurants because um, it al- it's almost as affordable as going to the supermarket. And in case they increase the VAT again, yeah, going to restaurants definitely is going to be passed over to the consumer i think so what's your take on it uh yeah i mean uh people get used to nice things don't they (laughs) (laughs) so i guess that's the the, so it's just a very interesting case of it i mean on the on the surface right it's just a meeting between the chancellor of germany and a few hotel professionals and then the other side it is uh well, it's actually quite a bit more, right? There is a reason why a chancellor attends and why there's professionals there and so on and so forth. Yeah. Next news. All right. Next news. And the question is, is WeWork going bankrupt? 
Um, I think WeWork has been on the news for so many times. Um, so I was just kind of excited that it was back. Um, we all know the office market has struggled in the past, but what happened with WeWork? I mean, already last year, their stock plumbed by 90%. Their peak evaluation was at 47 billion. You know what it is today? It's at 431 million, the value of, of the company. Wow. And so they just um, shared the Q2 reporting and they had a loss of 379 million, a loss. So um, as a result of that, um, three board members have resigned and then after that, their stock dropped again by 27% on the New York stock market. So yes, the company acknowledged doubts about the future plans and the restructuring. They're seeking, yeah, chapter rents, cost reduction, and yeah, fresh capital to come in. Um, that, is, that is a pretty mad number. It's, it's mad, no? From 74 billion I mean, to 431 million and the loss of 379 yes. million. And you know what? It's even better than last year's number. So last year they lost even more money. <laughs> so they've decreased <laughs> in losing yeah. money. That's so they something. have actually like, in comparison to last year, they have a smaller loss. But it's just crazy. I don't I don't even know what to say. I find it interesting. I mean, it was it was a sort of right. There's something to find out. Uh, if I remember a few years ago when the collapse collapse happened and sort of the the we crash happened, everybody mm -hmm. knew. Okay, is this going to recover? Maybe it was because of the CEO, but mm. the CEO is long gone and it didn't seem to be getting better anymore. So maybe it's just a business model that is going to collapse in on itself. Yeah, I mean, especially right now, I think offices, right, um, the, 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 the prices for offices have dropped generally so because of the remote working and for doing, during COVID, less offices were required. So, I mean, offices generally doing, is generally having a hard time in the market. So, I guess for a special product like that, it's even harder. Um, but yeah, I just found it an interesting piece of news that I can't, I can't quite like wrap my mind around it as well, around the 47 billion evaluation um, to the 431 million. There was a very interesting case uh, that I heard of yesterday, actually. Uh, what, what, what could you do with 44 billion? Because that's how much Elon Musk bought Twitter for mm -hmm. and what he's currently actively doing, right? So he effectively has abandoned the branding. He's fired 80% of people and he's also... Basically, he doesn't really need the tech product of Twitter because what he's trying to do is actually create like the new WeChat of uh, <laughs> of, mm. of, uh, of the Western world, right? And yet he bought Twitter for $44 billion And they've just sort of, if you play out the simple maths, just for, for people to understand, if you would hire 10,000 specialists and pay each one $200,000 a year, mm -hmm. that would be $2 billion US dollars per year. So if mm -hmm. you would pay everybody for one year to add, in fact, 10,000 people, highly paid professionals for one year, there will be only 2 billion. 
You then imagine, you know, end up on two billion extra costs on offices, whatever, insurance, tax, whatever. That's nice. That's four billion, and then you still have forty billion left that you, you can spend <laughs> on things that, right? You could just basically effectively pay every single new user a thousand US dollars if they will be the first one to join, <laughs> and you would purchase around I think forty-five million customers. Uh, that was the math. Um, it's just pretty mad, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, those. So yeah. We work is bankrupt or almost bankrupt. Well, wow. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm sure we're gonna have more news about it. But I just wanted to bring it back. Wanted to bring it back on our radar. It's still some sort of hospitality concept, I guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. Priority. Let's Maybe move the, on. The 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 I think the death of the experience economy eh? <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> no. All right. Next piece of news. Uh, so. Yes. Business travel paradox. Now, um, this is kind of an interesting piece of news. I think for the past few weeks or months, we've been getting a very mixed source of data. On one side, B2B travel is going up. You know, it's uh, it's it's taking well. It's definitely has recovered from the from the Corona period, and we've talked about I think a month ago where it finally has overtaken 2019 levels. Mm-hmm. Yet, um, the new forecast forecast of business travel costs. Well, basically, it's just travel costs in general, right? Is indicating um, that in fact business travel costs are not going to go down, right? So, and it's not due to demand; it's just due to inflation, energy costs, all of that. Uh, travel costs are still going to go up, and more likely, twenty twenty four are not going to go lower, right? So, oil prices, all of that, due to the war and so on and so forth, is not going to optimize yet. It is expected that business travel is still going to stay the same. Now, on the other hand as well, another interesting piece of news, there was a very interesting survey, I think of almost 500 plus something business travel professionals, meaning people who work for companies that actually organize and are responsible for business travel for the rest of the company. So they were also surveyed <clears throat> and they were also extremely optimistic <laughs> about all the <laughs> all the business travel situations. And in fact, I think 85% of people said that they're expecting that a lot of companies are going to start hiring shift chief travel officers it's apparently that big of a deal and um, all of that is obviously connected to the fact that the same people were also surveyed and they said that they're expecting to the travel business cost to increase because of the hybrid model which makes in itself no no point right Why not? people well think about it the hybrid model means you're staying at home why would you be traveling because you, let's say, because you can you can remote work, so I have team members, one is in Milan, one is in Germany, one is in the US or wherever, you have international teams, and in order for them to come together, they will have offsites, meaning they all meet in Portugal for two or three weeks in order to kind of get to know each other, and then they all fly back to their countries to work from home. Um, so you actually have increased travel costs. Right, that, but you're going from the assumption that there is somehow more people who are hired on in, in any company now globally. That number hasn't really increased, at least that's not what the report is reporting, right? The the numbers that have increased is people doing home office, but this could be people, the people who are employed by these companies is still very much the same people, right? They're still in the same region, so the fact that it hasn't, the, the economy of hiring people hasn't really changed, you know, really hiring more apparently, right? People from other countries and so on and so forth. It's just the people you work, are working for you are traveling like. So, Wait, but uh, do you to, think 
because now if you can just hire people in other countries because everybody can work remote, I definitely think that, that is true. Have to, that has increased, no? The amount of international hiring. That would be that an is, interesting it could, fact. It, it could be, right? I mean, we can theorize on this, but that's not what the data is currently showing. So um, that in, in itself... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I, I just find it quite interesting, right? Yeah. On one hand, travel costs are increasing. On the other hand, people are traveling more. On one hand, you know, people are optimistic. Yet on another hand, and we also can talk about this later, but economically speaking, people are definitely not optimistic about what's going to happen in the next coming years. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, So actually, you were pretty much saying that we still have mixed news. So actually, that yes. the fact that we're finding mixed news, uh, news is actually due to the fact that there are mixed news out there. Yeah, basically. And we'll talk about it later, I think, and a few other uh, pieces news. of um, news that this is kind of happening all over the place, right? The stock market is also, uh, this this week has been, uh, what we saw this week as well is basically their repetition of news from the early 2023. So January, February, mm -hmm. when people were kind of panicking and if they were going to have a financial crisis that's when the, mm. the interest rates were initially uh, you know increased but that that is back now basically a lot of in um, stock market influencers also quite a few venture capital or sorry venture fund owners and uh, famous investors right like warren buffett have been uh, basically saying that the market is currently at its most unstable so nobody mm -hmm. really knows what's going to happen which means effectively right it's either up or down but if it's down it's it's down like a lot down so mm. uh that's the situation here right everybody's kind of just booming ahead everything is working everybody's expecting things to go well but yet at the same time some other news are like creeping out you know and people are well maybe it's just um social social pressure and uh sort of human human nature to panic if something is if things are going too well i suppose I mean, I guess it's also in the back of our, our, our minds. I mean, there is a correction happening, right, in the economy. I mean, we see it in, let's say, real estate prices. Currently, real estate prices for the sellers are still very high, but buyers are just not buying to those, to those prices anymore because interests have increased. I mean, just a simple one. So right now, there are not many transactions happening on the market, and that isn't that similar on the stock market? So um, there's another piece of news, right? One of the other externalities that are related mm. to a wonderful industry. So the US right now is currently reporting a record uh, number of vacant apartments. It has gone up to about 8 to 9%, which is basically is almost as high as back in 2008, meaning a lot of apartments that are currently being built, even you know compared to record amount of new apartments being built. In the US alone in last year, about 1 million new apartments were built uh, and mm. um, that it goes in hand in hand with really high rents so basically what the expectation right now is that due to the fact that first of all the vacant there's so many vacant apartments and there's so many new apartments on the market that uh people basically are not willing to pay such high rents anymore and are just staying where they are right and uh this in turn might actually bring the, the real estate prices down i it's we've on that note as well, <laughs> the the data we showed, saw this week as well is that in Germany, in Europe, in America, the real estate prices actually have start, started to drop across mm. all, all, all yeah. spectrums. And I mean, so. the reason for that, I mean, at least what, I've, what I know from Germany is because, yeah, usually people who would have bought apartments now because the... Um, oh my God, I forgot the word. 
inflation? Yes, the inflation has increased. Um, now they cannot buy apartments anymore. Not the inflation. Basically, the market has <clears throat> interest rates. Oh, interest rates <laughs> have increased, so people cannot. People who would generally buy, let's say, middle class, who was buying apartments in the past, they're not buying anymore. But now they're moved to the rental market. So actually, rents are still increasing because kind of they're all flooded on the rental market because they're not buying anymore. So effectively, so there is record amount of new apartments, record pricing, yet nobody wants it. Perfect, perfect market situation. It's still been a big, and that's, I think that's why they call it the correction, the correction curve sooner or later it needs to be corrected. Because On then that note, if, if too many apartments are empty, they're going to, yeah, either drop the rent yeah. or drop the price. So that's what's kind of happening, I suppose. I think on that note, we can move on to the next piece of news. And um, Miriam, what would you like to tell us? Which one is that? Ah, yeah. I mean, I found something that I think people always speculate about and we always talk about, and it's the hotel interior design trends. Um, and this is just something very personal that I've seen, and I feel like more and more hotels just look like 25-hour hotels. I don't know why, but I feel all the brands are kind of adjusting and, and copying um, the 25-hour the hotels. Um, so yeah, I wanted, there's a, there's an article in today's newsletter, which talks about what the four trends are. And the first trend is delicate and organic. So they're saying there are lots of using, using lots of woods and pastels and accent lighting create to create warm ambiances. Yeah. That already sounds very, very generic delicate and organic in itself is i like... know all of them you're gonna you're gonna hear them but this is this is the headlines what the four trends were that you could summarize in i mean that was delicate and organic i think what happens with the wood and the pastels and the warm lighting i definitely think this has been a trend um in various hotels over the past you know it's not cold or right like that warm wooden thing has become quite trendy. I definitely agree on that. So I've tried to kind of highlight that because the, the, yeah, the headline is completely generic. But then another thing which I super agree is the multifunctional lobbies. I think you rarely have lobbies which are just lobbies anymore. You always have, or very often you have the bar or you have a co-working space or right, so you have a cafe in order to have multifunctional lobbies, to bring people to the lobby. Rarely in today's world, interior designer photos create lobbies which are just lobbies. So to me, that's definitely a trend. Then another one is <laughs> rooms offer comfort and advanced technology. So I also think that's a bit of just a creative writing, but I can see increase in technology but more in the building technology where you can kind of collect all the data how much light you need how how much heating do you need to turn off the lighting automatically things like that but still in hospitality i don't see automatic um stores and things like like not stores the window things the blinds um but yeah i guess increase in technology it just has to be there and sustainability has been mentioned about a hundred times in that arc um, in that article about eco-friendly materials. So that 
seems definitely to be a trend. Um, but I think you always say, yeah, if the price is right, right? <laughs> you only use eco-friendly uh, materials if the price is right. I mean, that was the third one. And the fourth, the fourth one, the fourth one is design needs to prioritize guests' needs. <sighs> Honestly, oh. I think this is something that they always say, but rarely, really get to implement it. I mean, it's just an example, but you go into a hotel and I don't know, one of 10 hotels, you can just turn, all, turn off all the lights from your beds. Do you know all those hotels that you always need to go and figure out which light turns off what, like which switch turns off what light? But Miriam, I think that that's actually also design, uh, so guest needs. People think, the, the designer of the hotel thought, well, people are not moving a lot, you know, they have to be stationary, they're working from a chair, so why don't I give them six different places where you have to turn the lights off, so you have to walk around it. And it's also a puzzle, right? So sometimes it's hidden somewhere, <laughs> right? That, that it, it's kind of part of the entertainment, and it also makes your brain work just before you go to sleep. It's good. So you can it's mm -hmm. a less push of energy. The blood gets, you know, circulated a bit more and then you can sleep well. Right. Exercise, apparently, before sleep is pretty healthy and it encourages healthier sleep. Therefore. Yes. Okay. I and love, also, I mean, I love, I love the fact that um, to prioritize guest needs within the the design is, is a priority. And I think it is. I think many hotels actually, I, I was dying. I think I was just frustrated because I saw many hotels that don't have it. But I mean, they're always trying. So it's definitely a trend. It would be actually interesting to see, right, someone who is doing something original, right? You keep saying 25-hour hotels, right, for those who don't mm. know it's a chain. And there's a, like, it would be interesting to see chains that are actually pushing something that isn't known to mankind for the past 100 years, right? I don't mm. think, well, Marriott and Hilton and all the common brands, they didn't get where they, they are now without thinking about guest needs. Exactly. <laughs> I know, I know, definitely. <laughs> you know, guest room, room-centric, uh, guest guest-centric designs and so on and so forth. So obviously it's just, it's not an iteration of uh, whatever it is. Right? It's also connected to the tech world and the movement of agile and lean and how you need to think about your your end customer. And mm. even though hotels, I mean, for, for hotels, right, for our industry, I think um, people have been doing that for quite some time, since the beginning, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, I guess they do. But something interesting or interesting fact that I um, heard at a conference um, this year was that most hotels which are owner-operated are the most creative ones in terms of design and implementations. So it kind of makes sense. I guess brands just have standards and then they duplicate. Um, no, it's the so only way, right? That takes out a little bit of originality. Yeah, exactly. But also the, also the idea of being an owner and you know trying to push for much more creativity and innovation because it's your mm -hmm. thing versus exactly. someone who gets hired, is there for one, two, three years and by definition, cares less because it's not their life, right? Especially not in this day where yeah. people don't expect to stay at a job for 50 years. Um, they look at it as a learning experience, not something where they invest their soul and heart into it. But at least most <laughs> don't, right? I uh, guess, I guess. All right, Mish, please tell me what's happening with China. The big restart. <laughs> And this is this is the this is another piece of news that goes hand in hand with the the business travel paradox. Um, yet again, mixed news. 
So China, right? We've been talking about it every bloody week. Every bloody week. Are they coming back? Are they not coming back? Yeah, no, no. no, I'm not complaining. I'm just, you know, summarizing what has happened for the past few months. (laughs) Well, apparently they are coming back. First of all, and first, most important is they've lifted the ban on um, group travel to 70 regions, which they had since Corona. So basically the Chinese Mm. were not allowed by China to travel in groups to 70 (gasps) regions which is most, basically okay. most of the developed world and also non-developed world, right? Um, that has been lifted <laughs> in itself. Okay. is such a funny thing, right? I don't think Germany banned anybody to travel anywhere else. They banned nine people to come to Germany. <laughs> but in China, it's a bit different, right? As, as the joke goes, for, the old joke from Soviet Union. In Soviet Union, you know, the ice cream eats you, right? That's the, that's the old school joke because everything is opposite. Uh, um, I don't get basic- the joke, sorry. It's an old school joke, from, I think, from the 50s, where you know, Americans were making fun of the Soviet people mm-hmm. by saying that in Soviet Union, everything is the opposite, right? And the joke was always, right, in the US, you eat the ice cream, but in Soviet Union, the ice cream eats you, right? And <laughs> it's, it's not a very, I mean, these days, maybe the joke doesn't work so well, but in this case, it's quite real, right? So on that side as well, um, the Ch- I mean, on top of that, for example, the first cruise has set off again from China to Japan, I think. So there was no cruises from China setting off since 2019. So the first cruise has actually restarted the operation. And um, yeah, this basically puts China at, uh, unlocks the Chinese tourist money for the rest of the world, finally, Uh, which by the way, in 2019 was around 255 billion US dollars, where in total the Chinese spent in 2019, 777 billion. It's quite a funny wow. number because they love the sevens <laughs> Chinese culture. So that's I mean, how much they spend. On... Yeah, right. So that's how much they spend for tourism. Uh, we'll see how much they will uh, this year. Um, but, and that's, there is a big but. On the other hand, right, by the way, so for, for comparison, Germany was second on the list of tourism spenders and they spent half of what China has spent, right? So mm. China is obviously quite ahead of there. Uh, but on the other hand, all the news that we've been looking at, right, me and you this week, China is not doing well economically. There's inflation problems. There is issues with uh, sort of the mar- the real estate market and quite a bit of uncertainty on uh, if the economy, economic growth of China is sustainable anymore because they've reached a certain plateau, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Chinese terms, obviously, you know, a plateau of German economic growth is different than of the Chinese one, but they reached a growth where there isn't much opportunity anymore. So... The Economist this week actually created a pretty interesting caricature where the Chinese are collected in the back celebrating and there's like a huge rocket uh, saying, you know, the Chinese economy is finally kind of, you know, it's about to set off. And it's actually a rocket that basically is broken in half and out of there there's fireworks and it just says Chinese economic success. (laughs) So, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, right, it's uh, uh, as always, uh, that's the idea. It's a caricature. So, yeah. China, while China is restarting the economy, on the other hand, there is mixed news if whether it's going to last or not. And that pretty is China this week. To what we spoke about, yeah. Exactly. Soon. Quite a lot everywhere. Well. I think on that. So, what is happening in academia? Ne- Tell me. Because we only have three academia. minutes left, and you gotta you gotta choose. You know, you know that. We're we're back at it. Same same I'll every year. You, you gotta choose one. Come on, choose your favorite one. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. This week I was looking at academia and I didn't find anything yet. 
um, <laughs> at least from time for right. the podcast recording that I thought worthy. Right, there's a lot of a lot of different uh, articles are currently being published on employee satisfaction, but it's all the same. We've mm. already reported on this. There's not much uh, uh, new information, I think, for our listeners. But there is a about... there's a study on loyalty programs. Oh, okay. You want to talk about that, or you want to talk about tools and tricks? We never talk about How them. About we always say we do that, but we do. We kind of forget always about what you know, what kind of sure, new things sure. there are in tech, in hospitality tech. So, we kind of forget it because it's at the bottom. This this week, Euronews actually. So that's one of the articles we have in uh, tips and tricks, right? Euronews yeah. uh, as a segment on travel, and they reported on how a lot of hotels are bending the, the TV. Yes, so, is it? Are they? Uh, well, so well, I mean, the article is a bit anecdotal, obviously, right? It's not very. Uh, we have gone to a thousand hotel owners and asked them if they will have TVs <laughs> in the next year. It was more of like a combination of stories how different hotels are trying it. So, an example uh-huh. was in. An 18th century recently restored chateau in France decided mm-hmm. not to put TVs at all in the beginning because, you know, in the spirit of the 18th century style. Mm-hmm. And also a, a hotel owner in Egypt was basically, you know, saying, well, setting up a hotel, no TVs anymore so that, you know, you get the views of the of the sea, you can enjoy the extra yeah. experience. And this hotel is actually reporting that there's, there's absolutely no backlash. In fact, really? uh, the Egyptian hotel mentioned that in the 10 years they had no TVs, two people have asked for a TV. And so since then, he set up a TV room <laughs> separate to all the oh. guest rooms. So it's basically a shared room, right, where people come and there's an 80, I think, six-inch TV, <laughs> basically, in case you really <laughs> want to get the TV experience. But I mean, um, so the argument is, uh, and this is something I think a lot of hoteliers have to test for themselves, that if you don't have a TV and it's a leisure-oriented uh, hotel, People can mm. have a better experience. They can explore the things. And apparently couples also like it because it increases mm-hmm. the social life. So you cannot just sit down mindlessly and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And also, obviously, on the other hand, the argument is that everybody now has an iPhone, uh, a tablet, a laptop or something with them. And they just watch it on their own. Um, so, Mish, if you had a hotel, would you put a TV? Yes or no? I was asking my, this very question when I uh, was found this article. So I found a study. Mm. <laughs> of people <laughs> so you didn't ask yourself you asked the data well i mean i wouldn't want it but it doesn't mean other people want it right so um no i agree personally from my perspective i think it's a interesting idea right no tv yeah. it seems a bit more healthy um you know maybe even get rid of a tv at home right for for mm. myself but whatever so on the other hand there was a st- survey of uh, people staying in hotels, specifically related to technological products. And ask, basically mm-hmm. asking people, what do they think is most important to make them make a booking decision or what they expect when they stay in hotels these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and amongst, right, this, this is actually a pretty interesting article. I recommend those listeners to, our listeners to click on it. There's quite a few interesting points in there that technological inputs uh, that people care about. For example, the least cared about item or technological innovation that hotels should offer that guests care about is chatbot nobody gives a fuck (laughs) nobody wants a chatbot they don't care it's not their thing in fact i think like 22 percent said yeah maybe chatbot Mm. but tvs so 42 percent of people of the people who were surveyed said they would like to have a smart tv Mm. so that could be right 42 percent is not high and it's a smart tv still as well right so maybe the question is obviously i don't think you should have I mean, just putting regular TVs with uh, 
It's complicated as well, right? If you have target groups that are 86, 80 something, 60 plus year olds, I'm sure the expectations yeah. are going to be very different. And people who fill out surveys online are generally not 85, 60 plus year olds. Um, Plus, I think it kind of depends on the type of hotel you are, right? I think if you're not putting TVs and you say we're like on purpose not putting TVs so, you know, you get, yeah, you connect to the people around you and you have a look at the sea. It's very different than if you have a city hotels where you have um, business travelers who maybe just quickly, yeah, come there and then they want to see the soccer game before while they're doing emails, right? So I think it, it really depends on, yeah, your target market, whether you put a TV or not, I think. It's not just something you can decide. And honestly, the, the argument is, right, what cost saving are you creating here? Mm-hmm. Right? You can, if you mm-hmm. order 50 TVs in bulk and you not want to, you don't want to get the most fanciest 86-inch TV for every room, you're spending 100 euros per TV, right? And if yeah. it's a smart TV spending a bit more there is also very cheap chinese options right out there that might not be very sustainable long term but they're still tvs they still work so it's not like you're saving thousands and thousands and thousands of euros per room i mean you also have maintenance you have a you pay per tv connection i think it's it's quite expensive monthly cost yeah but as you know in germany whether you have tvs or not you're still obliged to pay that (laughs) exactly so whether you have tv or not your text burden does not change unfortunately Um, Uh, even even people playing their own music on spotify in hotel rooms needs to be covered by the hotel in germany at least so therefore we don't really have you're not saving there so but you know different hoteliers can try it out i'm sure there's if it works for some it will work for you and you might get um I think there's definitely an argument for if you have a, a leisure hotel somewhere far away with a beautiful view to get rid of TVs and try something else and push people to have a better experience. So. Fully agree. Is that the word of the week? Thank you. Yes, no TVs. No TVs. <laughs> it makes you happy. And on All that right. note. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a Thank wonderful you. week. And we'll see you next week, hopefully with more concrete news on what's the future. (laughs) All right. Thank you.